Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder. Martin, Paul Park Frank off today. I want to thank Tracy Murray for joining us last hour as well as TJ Reeves. NBA Finals tonight, game number two. Looking forward to it. The Bucks and the Suns. Hockey season is over. Now it's been over for the Golden Knights for quite some time, I guess. Not quite some time, a couple weeks. But uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, victorious. So our live report there from Tampa Bay with TJ Reeves. Great stuff there. And we got breaking news, and we mentioned a little bit earlier at the top of last hour. There is a possibility that the upcoming Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight is in jeopardy due to potential COVID-positive tests in Tyson Fury's camp. So we'll have to await more word on this. Um, again, uh, spoke to a person in Tyson Fury's camp earlier today. They had said that uh, testing is continued. Um, we don't know if it's one person, if it's multiple uh, people in camp here, but uh, this fight could be in jeopardy for July the 24th here at T-Mobile Arena, a fight that we have all been looking forward to for, for quite some time. Uh, it's been a very much roller coaster of a ride for this, uh, this third fight, as we know, where Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder had that great fight back in December of 2018 where... Flurry, uh, rather, uh, Fury was knocked uh, almost unconscious, came up, and uh, that fight was a draw. But many people thought that Tyson Fury won that fight. And then in the rematch that we had here in Las Vegas, uh, total domination by Tyson Fury at that point in time. And really, there, there are a lot of us that said, well, do we really want to see this fight again? And uh, it took a long time for them to negotiate this thing, whether there was going to be a rematch, had to go to arbitration to decide it. Uh, Tyson Fury is ready to move on and fight Anthony Joshua. So, uh, lo and behold, uh, the fight was announced last month. And uh, we've talked to Bob Arum on numerous occasions. And he wanted to have this fight in front of a, of a full T-Mobile arena. And it looks like uh, you know we were going to get that up until this news today. So, again, nothing official as of yet. 
But uh, Bob Arum, Al Heyman, these guys are talking. And ESPN, PBC, they're trying to uh, see what is going to transpire. But news right now that uh, there are some positive COVID tests in the Tyson Fury camp. We will keep everyone updated. All right. uh, Great time to bring in the chairman of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, Stephen Klubeck Klubeck joins us now. Stephen, how are you doing, my friend? TC, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. So, you know, we've talked to Bob Bennett on on numerous occasions, and uh, it's great to to talk with you, uh, you know, the chairman of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. And before we get into a lot of these stories uh, here, Steve, uh, how how are you enjoying your, your reign as a chairman? Nothing in, nothing like coming in hot. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> you know, I, I did it with the airport um, a few months ago. They tried to rename the airport numerous times, and I took over the reins there, and I got it over the goal line for uh, my adopted father, Harry Reid. Right. Very proud of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, now coming in hot as chairman of the Athletic Commission with a couple of very interesting stories out of the box. And uh, it, it's it's great to be involved with something uh, that is worldwide in the inter- entertainment capital of the world. You know, I was head of tourism of the United States as the first uh, person in chairman in charge of that for uh, President Obama, and was happy to do that and made that very successful. And I like. Like interesting things and learning new things, and I've enjoyed it so far. Thank you. All right. So, how much of a boxing fan or a mixed martial arts guy, uh, you know, were you, you know, prior to this, and, and are you much of a, a fan of the combat sports? You know, quite honestly, I'm not a big sports guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a businessman, um, political business. I like new situations. I like learning. I've learned a lot as a commissioner over the last approximately a year and a half. My son's a very avid uh, UFC fan and boxing fan. And uh, I like learning new things. Uh, I was never really a sports guy growing up. And uh, I was a bodybuilder. I was a pretty big boy at one time. Benched 410. So Whoa. I'm not one to mess with. Don't, don't, oh, don't, yeah. don't mess with this guy. No doubt about it. I mean, he rules something down. I mean, these fighters might be coming after him and promoters. Don't mess with him because he'll take you he'll go old school on you. <laughs> old school, old school, twenty-one inch arms, and everyone says, uh, you know, that's not you with Photoshop. I'm like, uh-uh. uh, I used to work out hardcore, so, uh, so you know, I, in, uh, hearing this for a lot of people, they may be a little, um, I don't know. I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is maybe perplexed a little bit, thinking of a guy who's the head of the Nevada State Athletic Commission because, you know, really the commission oversees, you know, a, a myriad of things, but. It's really primarily boxing and UFC, and even prior to UFC, I mean, it was all about the boxing and, and you know the big uh, the big fights and everything. I think so. I think people just say, "Oh yeah, well they must be big time boxing enthusiasts or historians and that sort of thing." And we saw Bob Bennett, who's the executive director, he came you know from from the FBI background, you know. So we've seen that. So really, to, you don't really have to be a sports guy, do you, to be the chairman of the athletic commission? Does it help or does it not one. help? You know, or, you know, advantage or no advantage? I, I, you know, look, I come in with a fresh set of eyes, and uh, people know me as not ever being afraid with a set of brass balls. So, look, I started with nothing and uh, became very successful in business, in politics. I was trained to be, I was going to be a surgeon and pivoted. And I learned, I've done every job in the business and hospitality, and I revolutionized my craft. And, uh, 
you know, the greatest accolade was when Marriott and Hilton copied me. And uh, I'm a self-starter. I'm aggressive. So if you want to talk about uh, aggression, not being afraid, I think I'm perfectly suited for this. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. So, Stephen, is it okay? I mean, we love to give you know people nicknames here on the show. Can for, From now on, can we call you Stephen Brass Balls Klubeck? That'd be good? Be my guest. <laughs> that's, a bad, that's a badge of honor. There it is. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this, the news here coming in hot. By, like you uh, said. by the way, just, just so you know, yeah. I got a set of them my father gave to me as a gift. Uh, so. <laughs> Would that be a physical or, or like in trophy uh, format? You know, uh, Trophy format. <laughs> I mean, genetic, genetically, he gave them to me, but it, I have them in, in, a, in a lucite case. It definitely has a, has a double meaning here. And that, it's, it fits. Oh, this is awesome. All right. So, back oh, to- you haven't you haven't seen my undercover boss episodes? You want to see some funny stuff? I, I have mean, not. Where can I find that? In what uh, what corporation uh, uh, went you went undercover on? Which one was that? Maybe I have Diamond seen. Resorts. Diamond Resorts. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was the founder and chairman of Diamond. Yes, Resorts. yes, yes. Okay, okay, good. Oh, anyway, go high, ahead. Highly rated, highly rated episode. There's no question about that. All right, so. This story with with Tyson Fury, you heard me lead into it regarding Deontay Wilder too. What role does the athletic commission take in COVID matters? Because I don't think we've ever asked Bob or Mark Ratner previously, uh, you know, before him. This because obviously we we never dealt with with COVID issues before, and of course, as we know, we had to deal with a lot of COVID issues with you know, holding boxing events and UFC events, you know, in the bubble, so to speak, and the MGM Convention Center, you know, with no fans and that sort of thing. And that was, you know, top rank and the commission did a fantastic job of putting those fights on in 2020. Now we're thinking, okay, we're, we're, we're back to normal. Tourists are back here in Vegas. And now we hear the story that not just, you know, it's a fan issue. It's within the camp. So what role does the athletic commission take here of COVID matters and determining if this event is going to go on since it is within one of the fighters camps? Well, look, as, as the chairman of the commission and Bob Bennett being the executive director, we facilitate events and regulate them. Uh, This is going to be solely up to the promoters and, uh, of course, the doctors that uh, oversee the commission to work with the promoters to see if, if this fight can be facilitated uh, in, a, in a healthy healthy and safe environment. And that's what we do. Uh, we're here to make sure it's, it's uh, regulated properly and at the health and safety of, of the fighters, the fans, the referees, the judges, the state, our brand, is held to the gold standard. That's it. What can you tell us, Stephen, about the likelihood of this, if this fight goes on or not? Now, I know there's probably uh, yeah, be like speculation that, at this point in time, I guess, on your I, part. Though, I, right? Look, I, one thing you'll find out from me is I don't speculate. Mm-hmm. Um, the craziest things have happened in, in my business career and uh, my political career, and I never, I never speculate. Um, Sometimes negative situations end up being the best positive situations mm-hmm. when people work through them. And I don't know. Uh, this is up to the, the, the promoters. I think it's best served to ask the community of fight fans to uh, ask. And I, I wait with anticipation, too, as to what 
the next steps are because I have not spoken to the promoters yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, there is a, a Stephen uh, Klubeck uh, talking to us regarding the Tyson Fury uh, Deontay Wilder fight. The possible and, and, and TC, TC yeah. one thing you'll you'll get from me is always transparency. Love it. That's that's what we love. That's what we have. No question about it. You know, live gates are so important to the promoters and the state as well as we know. And the last time Fury and Wilder fought here in 2019, $16.9 million live gate, which was phenomenal. Actually, it was the Nevada record for a heavyweight fight. Uh, let's just say that you know, we're having this conversation yesterday or, or, or a week ago, and we look at it and say that this fight does go on as happened. And it, it probably will at some point in time. Maybe not July 24th, but maybe, again, September or next year, whenever. How well do you expect this fight to do when it does happen? Oh, no question about it. This is a worldwide event in, in you know, the, the capital of the, 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 the biggest entertainment zone in the world, Las Vegas. And there's nothing that compares in the world to an event like this in Las Vegas. So we look forward to it, whether it's uh, planned as scheduled or in the future. It's a big deal because, it, you know, when you think of the GDP, the gross domestic product, the revenues that come in, uh, the, the entertainment that's brought into this community, me being a hotelier for years, for decades right. and decades, is the lifeblood of the community in the state. So, you know, you're talking about air, you're talking about uh, transportation in the street, you're talking about rooms, food, beverage, gaming, other entertainment venues that benefit from this. It's, it's a big deal. And uh, that's why the Nevada Athletic Commission is such an important uh, regulatory body equal to that of the Nevada Gaming Commission. So you mentioned coming in here hot with a couple different issues. So we, we have this story that, that's brewing. And then last week, last Wednesday, the uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission. Uh, it got, wasn't got, last Wednesday. It was it was yesterday. Today is Thursday, so that would be Wednesday. It's yesterday. There it is, Wednesday. There it is. I knew that, Stephen. I know. See? I've been running crazy here, so there you go. I'm, Thank I'm you very much. Hey, hey, I'll, I'll be your wingman. I, I got you. All right, let's go. Yesterday, you guys voted to no longer discipline fighters for cannabis. And we know that Florida has done this uh, as well. So talk a little bit about this story. Well, look, this is not something that was knee-jerked yesterday. This was debated and discussed in a previous commission's time. It, 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 was, it did not pass at that time. And uh, the past chairman... Mr. Marnell and myself, when I was transitioning into this position, uh, discussed this. And uh, we wanted to come up with uh, a methodology. So this is sometime in the making. This just didn't happen. Uh, where, we would ha- where we would have really good belt and suspenders. So we got an opinion, not an opinion, but a memorandum from the Attorney General's office that allowed us to debate and discuss this, it gave us a framework legally and would allow Bob Bennett and his great management team to execute upon it, subject to an open forum debate. All the commissioners received this memorandum in advance of the meeting, and I asked them not to discuss this with one another. So 
so we would only debate and discuss it in an open public forum, which we did yesterday. And uh, we put the memorandum as a public record, I did, as chairperson. And uh, gave, I gave my opinion and uh, with regard to this, and we asked Executive Director Bennett to give his opinion upon on how he would execute this, and the commissioners debated the topic uh, for close to a half an hour, and uh, there was an amendment attached to it to modify the agenda item and then put forth and unanimously passed. So we're very proud of this, and, you know, I'm used to getting things over the goal line. Uh, my style is a little aggressive. I'm not afraid. And I'm able to, you know, figure out situations to uh, deliver a, a great result. It's not, you know, making the sausage a little, little messy, but when you taste it, it tastes great. Oh, yeah. It, so it, it, it's just, I, I, I'm known as a fixer, so I get things done. So you're that big fullback, I mean, plowing in from the one-yard line. I mean, you're aggressive in that way. I mean, you want to bowl people over to get in that end zone, right? That's a little messy. I'm not cut out of central casting, but I get it done. <laughs> so you mentioned you gave your opinion about this uh, matter. What was your opinion about this? Uh, my opinion is if, if it's uh, legal, open, and notorious in the state, which it has been for some time, why are we penalizing a fight community, or any athlete for something that's legal within a community, a state. I just, I, I didn't see any justice for that. And it's not like it's a performance-enhancing drug, right. which is what we regulate. It is the opposite of that. Um, and I, I said this, this truly had to be changed because you can't penalize somebody for this. Now, look, the big question was, okay, let's say we pass this. When is the cutoff date? And there's debate on both sides. And when I spoke with the Attorney General, and we debated this aggressively uh, at the Commission, we needed a hard date. And in any decision that one makes, you have some winners and losers. But you can't adjudicate somebody without giving them notice. So we came to the conclusion that the 7th yesterday, July 7th, 7-7, is the date going forward after our vote. Uh, people will then be under the laws of that particular point in time. And that was the cleanest cutoff date. So the next six months, I, I, you guys are going to use that for data purposes? You're going to, you know... You'll look no, that- it, it just for data, it, for data purposes as we... Uh, said at the commission, and we're going to analyze that data and see if it's even worthwhile continuing to collect. Hmm. But that will be brought, that specific topic solely will be brought forth back to the commission at that time. The the um, rendering of our ruling yesterday will stand going forth as of yesterday. It will not come back to the commission. It is hard, and we plan on, through the Attorney General's Office, changing Nevada regs, um, but we already had the authority based on the, the legal opinion of the AG to do what we did yesterday. And we've been accustomed for a long time that when the Nevada State Athletic Commission put, you know, put something forth, with, especially with boxing, even UFC now as well, too, that other states follow that. I mean, it's, it's, it's really kind of the, the governing board of all the states. They follow suit. We mentioned that Florida has, has done the same thing al- already, and now Nevada is doing this. Do you expect other uh, you know, states 
to do the exact same thing. And I think you bring up a great point that, you know, marijuana is not a performance enhancing drug, but still there have been organizations, states, and in other sports as well, too, that have been very slow to accept this. And so I guess a two-part question here, Stephen, is do you expect other states to follow your lead? And number two, why is it taking so long? Look, um, we are the gold standard. We do our homework. We are the world leader with regard to these actions. I hope other states follow our lead. Look, I'm going to go so far, which I said yesterday, and I've said in other interviews, I hope the IOC does, the International Olympic Committee, because it's a travesty what they did to this young woman, this track star. Shikari Richardson, yes, yeah. I was going to ask you about uh, about that. and, and And I have been very thoughtful but aggressive with regard to my opinion on this because it is not a performance-enhancing drug. And, there, you know, she should stand on her track merits and be allowed to run, in my opinion. And I think what they've done to this woman's uh, career for this event, which they suspended her for, is an injustice. Are you a weed smoker, Stephen? I have partaken, yes. Okay. See, you ask a man the direct question, he gives you a a direct answer. And they go, but I think the key of the the matter is... I like like edibles better if you really want another truth. There you you go. All right. So, hey, then you better get on. We're going to drive you to our our good sponsor, uh, Rob Van Dam, uh, the WWE Hall of Famer. Go to his website there and get the the cannabis, get the the edibles, the smokables, all there for you, Stephen, right there. That's rvdcbd.com. Use the promo code... There it is. TCRVD. Save yourself some money. What do you think of that? Is that a question? <laughs> no, that's a direct order. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Two UFC fighters were suspended by the commission also yesterday, right? Two positive tests for, for cannabis in relation to their March fights back in Vegas. Uh, suspended for four and a half months. Fined $2,000. Another fighter was suspended for six months for $4,000. They're going to be eligible to return, I guess, in October, or rather August and September. What can you tell us about these two cases when we're sitting here talking about, well, hey, it's not a performance-enhancing drug, but, you know, we've we've still got some suspensions on the horizon here with UFC. Look, um, the rules are the rules at the time, period. The rules have changed as of yesterday. I can't, nor can can the commission, upon our debate, do anything about what was the past? We can only go forward after yesterday's ruling and handle the future accordingly. Well put, my friend. There you go. So all I all I have to say to all the combatants, there's a new sheriff in town. His name is Stephen J. Klubeck. Follow the rules. There he is. I, I was ready for a Blazing Saddles promo there. I mean, that was, you know. New sheriff well, in town. Well, you got what you got. Um, <laughs> we got brass I balls, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we got. Our sheriff has yes. brass balls. You gotta love it. Yes, yeah. yep. you should do. And in in all seriousness, it is it's nice, really, and especially in a sport like this or that, that governs these type of sports, because again, nothing against. Any other, you know, previous commissioners because we we've got a chance to know them, but it's it's nice to have a person that is transparent, that is aggressive, that you know, because there are going to be instances that come up, and these are not 
you know, these type of instances where it's like, hey, we're going to have to make a tough decision whether maybe it can cost the state some money or, you know, there's going to be some big things. And again, I remember I was here, I was at the meeting going way back in the 90s, you know, with, with Mike Tyson, you know, biting Evander Holyfield and those type of things. And I'm sure that you're going to face some of these issues down the road. And seriously, it, it's great to have a guy like yourself that uh, will, will attack it head on and be able to, well, to lead me, and make a decision. Me. TC, let me make it very clear because I, I I know the promoters because of Las Vegas being such a small environment right. of collegial folks that we all try to help the community. And my reputation precedes me. And I spoke with many of them, and I said, look, I got four rules. Four rules. One, we're the gold standard. Don't ruin our brand. Don't disrespect the state or embarrass the governor. Two, make a shit pot full of money because we all participate. Three, have your combatants follow the rules. If they don't, well, new sheriff in town, and I may take it to the extreme. I don't want to see anyone on our adjudication list. Number four, don't ever lie to me, period. There it is. Well-spoken and said like a true leader. Stephen J. Klubeck, chairman of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Uh, congratulations, my friend. I know we will be talking to each other probably quite a bit uh, in the future, seeing you around at these, uh, these major events. And coming in hot, you got a big one coming up this weekend, huh? Only Conor McGregor, the notorious one, against Dustin Poirier. What are your thoughts on that? Look forward to a great fight. Yeah. And have you attended many of the boxing matches or UFCs in the past? Uh, I have. Hmm. I have. Um, and uh, I, I was a commissioner for the last year and a half, approximately. So I attended yes. many fights. Um, I have been to a McGregor fight, Mayweather fight. I've been to uh, many fights in uh, you know the closed environments during COVID. Uh, as a commissioner, I was the sole commissioner at many times. I remember, I think the first fight I went to uh, as a commissioner, I went to McGregor fight. I was the only commissioner there. <laughs> I went with my, went with my son and uh, we had a good time and we got a little blood on us. And that was very interesting. I learned to no longer wear um, a ritzy suit. Um, <laughs> my rules now for the commissioners are uh, we're in the hospitality business. All I'm looking forward to is everyone smiling, having a good time, follow the rules, be comfortable, and uh, go Nevada, go all combatants, go promoters. I'm, I'm, yeah, rah rah. That, that's that's awesome. Maybe we should uh, start changing the the narrative a little bit. Instead of like you know that you're going to be the guy that's you know you know, takes it into the end zone, the goal line. Maybe more of a boxing sense. Are you are, they, are you the chairman that that goes the distance or goes for the knockout? What do you think? I just love to see a good fight. I'm learning. And uh, I went to the, I saw the Lomachenko fight. Yeah. I was there at the Virgin. Yes. And uh, with my with my son and daughter, <laughs> my daughter's first time she went, and she was having the time of her life. And um, it, it's it, it's exciting. It's it's uh, to see all the fans back. And uh, I look forward to this McGregor fight and seeing a full arena. Uh, and uh, I just ask everyone to be safe. Look, I'm double vaccinated. And I know that uh, everyone's kind of taking this for granted a little bit. 
But uh, I, I had a, a dear friend. He got double vaccinated with me, and if you can believe it, he got COVID. And this was just in the last week. So this virus is serious. It's science. It's penetrating this virus, this vaccine at times. And uh, you'll see me wearing a mask. I'll tell you that, and I'm double vaxxed. So uh, we've got to be precautious, not just for ourselves, but for our fellow man. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's important. And uh, we can't be cavalier about this. So Mm I appreciate the time, Stephen, and look forward to seeing you at the fights very, very soon. You will. Take care. Thank you for the opportunity. You got it. There he is. Appreciate it. There it is. Stephen J. Klubeck, the chairman of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. There's a chairman for you that tells it like it is, very aggressive, very assertive, and just, you know, is going to take that role very, very serious. When we come back, Scott Spritzer is going to join us. Doc Sports. We start handicapping game number two. Is it a good spot for the Milwaukee Bucks? We'll find out. You're listening to some bullshit on the TC Monitor. Las Vegas Aces in action tomorrow night. 7.30 is the tip-off, 7 o'clock pregame. Good to join me, listen to the radio call. Down the dial, ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. And, uh, yeah, I have the pregame show with Bill Lambeer. Get a chance to know Destiny Slocum, the rookie, and the Aces uh, fall to the Phoenix Mercury last night, 99-90 in overtime. Aces got into overtime. They had a chance to win in regulation, did not get the job done. And then, man, it, it took them three and a half minutes to score in the overtime period. And uh, Brittany Griner, phenomenal last night. Uh, another 30-plus point perfor- performance, and along with Skylar Dickens-Smith, it was the two-woman show. Diana Tarazi did not play. She sat out. She actually warmed up on, on the floor went back and said, no, I'm not going to give it a go tonight because she had a little hip injury in the game before against Minnesota a couple nights earlier. But they didn't need her last night. But a good game at the Mandalay Bay. Snapped the Aces' four-game win streak. Uh, the Aces still have won nine out of their last 11 games. And their record now 14-5. and five. Back in action tomorrow night against the Minnesota Lynx. Still the public uh, not able to uh, attend uh, if you know one of the season ticket holders, and you know maybe uh, buy tickets from them or something. But again, uh, the fans that are there uh, having a great time, and two thousand fans uh, allowed there in the Michelob Ultra Arena. The All Star Game coming next week as well, too. That's going to have a little bit different look. At least with the Aces, they've allowed fans uh, in their normal seats. Mark Davis, you know, Kevin Durant was there last night. Those guys are sitting on the floor. Okay, they've 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 got those floor seats. But for the All Star Game. They're going to bring it back to like it was back in May, and uh, you're not going to have that. So, uh, again, WNBA very, very cautious still with all these COVID protocols, and they hope after the Olympic Games that they can get back to normal, close back to normal, and they can pack the Mandalay Bay with uh, seven or 8,000 fans. And especially come playoff time, uh, the Aces would love to have those fans in attendance back at the Mandalay Bay because it is a fantastic atmosphere. All right, let's uh, talk a little NBA, WNBA, NHL, Major League Baseball with our good friend, the handicapper, Scott Spritzer. What's going on, my man? How's it going, TC? Good, man. Good, good, good. All right, Scott. Uh, have you been partaking in the WNBA at all? I know you have in the past. Yeah, I've been I've been playing WNBA. Um, this gosh, it's been probably since the start of the 2019 season now. So this is what second full season, and I guess two and a half seasons if you count where it picked up last year. 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been playing it now since about the start of 2019. And uh, for those who, you know, for me, it's one of those things that's very situational. Right. And in that regard, it's kind of like the NBA when it comes to betting during the regular season and that it's very situational. Uh, and, and for people who like to just, you know, bet to watch a game or, or if they're attending the game, like to have a few entertainment bucks on it or just handicapping to make a few extra bucks, it, the cool thing about the WNBA, you don't have to break down individual matchups. It is so situational that you're not spending, you know, a half hour or an hour to handicap three or four games a night. It's, it's really situational. All right. All right, let's talk about the NBA Finals. Uh, game one, Phoenix took care of the Bucks as a five-and-a-half-point favorite, 118-105. They got out to a 20-point lead, kind of cruised in the second half, even though Milwaukee made uh, a couple you know, little runs there, got it down to single digits, but it was all Phoenix in game one. We know, Scott, that everybody – it, when they're handicapping a lot, you know, there's two schools of thought. One is like, okay, what have my eyes seen lately? And we hear, especially a lot of people in the media that think, okay, hey, you know, Phoenix is, is this dominant. Uh, they're going to roll through this series, but from the handicappers eyes, it's usually, you know, the zigzag, the bounce backs theory, that sort of thing. So as we approach, you know, game number two tonight, uh, you could say that there's some value there with Milwaukee. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's come down all the way to four in some spots now, and it was, you know, five and a half just 12 hours ago, and it was as high as, what, six, six and a half the other night. Uh, But, yeah, for me, I played Phoenix in game one. That had a lot to do with how these game one NBA Finals home teams and home chalk has done over the course of the last decade. I mean, in fact, they had won like seven in a row by an average of about 13 points per game. So, had a lot to do with that. And then, of course, the feeling out process. What can Milwaukee do to make adjustments to win this game? And you know, like I was telling people, I mean, the Bucks did not play well the other night at all in the second half. And I was glad about that, obviously. Uh, but they had a bunch of turnovers, more than normal. They missed layups. Their expected made field goal percentage with layups was well below their season marks. They committed a bunch of fouls. Phoenix goes 25 for 26 from the free throw line. Uh, shoots several more free throws than the average over the course of the postseason, Drew Holiday did not play well. Uh, they tried. They, they switched. They made a little switch, a little adjustment to switching up on defense against pick and rolls. And while I thought the adjustment was smart and wise for the rest of the series, it was a situation where the Bucks didn't execute well, and they gave up too much room to the ball handler. And so Chris Paul goes off and has a big game. So you throw all of that into the blender. And with seven minutes to go, it was a seven-point game. That's how close it was after how badly they played for the first quarter and a half after the uh, halftime break. So I think they can can make the adjustments. It's also about execution. I thought uh, Budenholzer did a good job of game planning defensively with their switching up on defense against pick and rolls. He just had players who didn't execute it. But again, uh, if you're an Angles guy and you're going back a decade or so of the NBA Finals, you play Phoenix in game one, and then you come back with Milwaukee in game two. Now, so that's kind of what you're looking at here as far as from, you know, maybe using what's happened in the recent uh, past to handicap this particular game. And again, they played about as poorly as they could for the first, oh gosh, 18 minutes, maybe 17 minutes of the second half and still were able to get in within seven points with just about seven minutes left. So I think they'll make the adjustments. Obviously the values slipped away a little bit because you could have gotten a little bit higher price with Milwaukee. Uh, You know what I like the best in this one TC is the under Hmm. Milwaukee hit 16 of 36, three pointers the other night, about 44%. But 
31 of their 36 attempts had a Phoenix defender that was at least four feet away from the shooter. That's crazy stuff. And so when I factor all that into it, too, and I see this total now up to 221 in some spots, I'm thinking after adjustments are made, this has a good shot to stay under the total. And it's funny you, you bring that up, too, because when we were, we were talking about this total the other day, when it was 217, and we looked at the first two matchups, they flew way over the total. They were, you know, closely contested one-point games that, that Phoenix won, but you know those games like 128-127, and then here's another one that, that goes over the total as well, too. So really, they're three for three in this series in, in overs, and I can understand you know why I guess that, that number is going up. Well, yeah, I get why it's going up, but you know, when you look at, again, like I said, the, the yeah. adjustments that can be made is why, you know, once it started to get up about 220, I'm like, okay, it's starting to get tempting to take that under. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. You know, and then somebody who's hardly even mentioned, you know, since he got injured, Dario Saric, listen, when this guy's on the floor and DeAndre Ayton is getting a spell and a little breather on the bench, they've got an outstanding uh, points per 100 possessions number. It's like 114 uh, points per 100 possessions in the postseason when Saric is on the floor. There's no drop-off. Now, of course, if he had to play an entire game and eight was out, it's a different story, but he doesn't have to. Well, now he's injured, and he's out for the rest of the postseason. And you're talking about DeAndre Eaton's sub being Tory Craig or Frank Kaminsky. Right. And these guys are nowhere near on the same level as Sarge coming off the bench. And that is going to affect them on the offensive end, I believe. Yeah. And it's funny, going back to what you're talking about with the, the, the pick and roll and the switching here, and we had just had Tracy Murray on, and he was saying that was the death of this team, you know, from a coaching standpoint, because I, you, you can't switch that, especially when you're switching, you know, with a point guard and, and a big. You know, basically, if you want to go the number routine, I'm not, I hate, I always hate the ones and the fives, but that's what he's talking about. And when you're going to switch like that, you are going to get killed. And we've seen Phoenix have so much success, you know, with the pick and roll against all these other teams who can't handle it. And you could tell Milwaukee just was, was not prepared for that and was lack of execution. So if they're going to continue to switch like that, uh, the, the Bucks could be in trouble here because as we know, that is Phoenix's bread and butter. And let's be honest, they, they have one of the best, if not the best guy who handled that, and that is Chris Paul with the basketball. Well, and the thing is, is it wasn't exactly like the Bucks have been playing. That pick, that switch, it wasn't. It was different. Um, they made the adjustment thinking they could get away with that with Phoenix, and the problem was is they didn't execute on the ball handler, and that's why you right. saw you know, Chris Paul go off. So if they can make a little tweak or adjustment to their pick and roll to where they're paying more attention to the ball handler, which they have to do, it doesn't mean they're going to win the basketball game because they do it. They obviously are going to see that on film. I'm, I, you know, I saw it while I'm watching the game, you know, and I was loving it because obviously laid the points with the right. Suns. I was with you. And so yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, if I'm seeing this, they'll make their adjustments for game two. But again, just because they make the adjustment, uh, adjustments in the game plan doesn't mean it's going to get executed correctly. And, or, or that they have the ability to execute against a ball handler like Chris Paul. So, you know, I, I get it. And, and it's, again, it's a situation where they've got to make a decision on where they're going to focus a little bit more, like 60% of their attention on the ball handler or on the big. And they've got to figure out which is you know, going to hurt them less throughout the course of this game. And, again, uh, like I said, I mean, everything that went Phoenix's way the other night, everything that Milwaukee did wrong, 
yet it was a seven-point game with seven minutes to go. That means, you know, you, you know the old saying, TC, that we said when the NBA first instituted the three-point shot, you know, three-stop three is a 6-0 run. You know, that was two trips down the floor from being a one-point game. Yeah, it's very true. Milwaukee uh, connects on the three, and we know that Milwaukee could light it up uh, as good as anybody, if not better than anybody. And, you know, again, you can live and, live and die by the three, and the Bucks can get back in this series just like that. And, and speaking of that, so we got game two tonight, and I know that a lot of people like Phoenix in this game as well, too. But, again, when you're looking at the Milwaukee Bucks, all they have to do is is even this series up, and then they could have an advantage going back to Milwaukee where they are outstanding on their home floor. And we saw this in you know, the Golden Knights that we you know, transfer you know, going from NBA to hockey where, you know, the, where you know, the Montreal Canadiens had all kinds of value you know, heading into game two because you know, the, favorite won, the series favorite won game number one. So do you think this is a good opportunity? If you like the Bucks, you're going to get some tremendous value at this point in time right now. Yeah, you're getting about 240 as an underdog to win the series. Yeah. And remember, they were about a buck 35 or so as an underdog when this series started. So, you know, all they got to do is, it sounds, you know, relatively speaking, I guess I should say, but all they have to do to gain home court advantage is win tonight. Your goal in the, in the series, in a seven-game series, is to split the first two games on the road. They've still got a shot to do it. I'm kind of looking at this, too, as we're speaking now, about 71% of the tickets on the total or on the over. It's up to 221, 221 and a half in some books. So it's a lot of people out there right now that are just plunking their money down on the over. But I guess what I'm surprised about, listen, I'm not going to be shocked if the Suns come out, control the tempo, control this game. Chris Paul has a great uh, game and Milwaukee still uh, not capable of being able to play the right kind of you know, switches on the pick and rolls and they get burned and they lose by eight or ten points. Obviously not going to be shocked by that. But, again, now that this point spread is – I mean, excuse me, now that this total is getting up to 221.5, it's almost looking like it's very challenging to get there, maybe come back the other way. But uh, right now, TC, I'm looking at about 50-50 as far as the tickets are concerned, which makes me think that, think that the uh, – more of the money, more of the respected money coming into the bucks to drive this down from five and a half down to as low as four at a couple of the books that I'm looking at here in Las Vegas. Most of the books far, far away from Southern Nevada sticking at four and a half. Right. All right. Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports, talking a little NBA Finals game number two coming your way tonight at six o'clock. Tip off uh, the Bucks on the road in Phoenix. Scott, remember, you know, back in those days, this finals used to be a 2-3-2 format. So you would you have that team with three home games there in the middle and the NBA, you know, went to went away from that. And they used to do it because of travel purposes. You know, now, you know, we have that traditional 2-2-1-1-1. Which one do you like better? Oh boy. I I think I like the 2-2-1-1-1. Um it just gives I I you know, and again, you could argue this both ways. But when it was two three two, I always made that argument that boy, it just gives the home excuse me the road team and the, to start the series just such a huge advantage if they can split the first two games. Uh, they generally would win two out of three, you know, at home, and even if it was a decent even series as far as talent level was concerned. But I, I guess I, I like the two two one 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 better than the two three two TC. But it's not that big of a difference as far as from a, a fan standpoint, right? Okay, uh, Stanley Cup, uh, the season is over now. The Tampa Bay Lightning get the job done back-to-back uh, seasons here. Uh, did you partake in any of the Stanley Cup finals? I did, except I held out last night, and I'm um, thinking my lucky stars I did, TC, because I had two plays that I was 
thinking about making and, and was quite tempted and almost did and held off. I had uh, I, I was going to make the uh, first period lay the half a goal with Tampa Bay, which means that after you know win the first period by at least one goal. I decided to hold off on that, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to lay the puck line, minus one and a half, and of course we saw the final one nothing. So I did uh, play quite a bit of the NBA, excuse me, the NHL postseason. Uh, we jumped on uh, Tampa Bay from the start against Montreal. We just felt Montreal caught Vegas at the right time with everything Vegas had gone through to get past Colorado, and they just weren't quite there between the years after game one. And uh, after all of that, we still looked at Montreal as being a team that was better than their regular season record, but still were just three games above 500 over the course of the regular season, taking on the team we had power rated as number two in the NHL going into the postseason. So we jumped on Tampa Bay from the get-go, a little series action. Uh, but last night I did hold off that final game, and I'm glad I did because I would have lost whichever I would have played, whether it be that first period or lay the puck and a half for the entire game. But Listen, man, the more talented team obviously won. Montreal probably shouldn't have been there. They were not as good as Colorado uh, as far as talent and power ratings. They weren't as good as Vegas. And I say that from that perspective of power ratings and talent. They were better than Vegas, obviously, in the uh, playoff series. But, you know, they weren't one of the top three teams. Uh, but give them credit. You know, they played uh, behind or played in front of an extremely hot goaltender who was shutting everything down, and they made all the right moves until they got to a team that not only was better than them but was prepared uh, to play a seven-game series between the years, mm. which Vegas wasn't. You got it. All right. Euro Cup 2020. We know you've dabbled in, in soccer or football, as we say in the past, and we got Italy and England in the final on, on Sunday, Scott. Uh, give us some thoughts here, and, and have you been – getting busy with this tournament, especially in the knockout rounds. I got to tell you, TC, the soccer has been my most profitable sport since February 1st. It's just been outstanding. I don't mind the three-way betting, you know, where you can end in a tie at the end of regulation and you take a loss. I don't mind any of that because the cool thing about that is that you're getting plus prices almost every time, right. you know, you jump into it and, and, uh, and, and bet on a side. So, I've had a really good run. It started February 1st. We've continued it. Uh, we did have Denmark yesterday. They played to a 1-1 regulation tie. That would have been a nice payoff. They were plus 440, but they drew. Uh, but in this game, the championship game, I've got to go with Italy here. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be a 1-0 type of performance. Uh, but I think they're going to be a little bit too strong for uh, England. I, I watched that game yesterday against uh, Denmark. And I thought there were several opportunities, even though England blew some themselves, I thought there were several opportunities that Denmark just didn't, wasn't able to take advantage of. And they weren't, you know, at full health. Obviously, they had the one player who collapsed on the field, but they had a couple of injuries since then. So I thought they gave England all they could handle. And I think Italy is just destined to win this and uh, just a better team, a little bit better as far as the talent is concerned. I like their style of play. And on the back end, I mean, they've only given up like one goal in what, like their last uh, six home games or something like that. It's been absolutely crazy. But although this isn't on their home field, it tells you exactly how well they're playing. So it'll be Italy for me. I might take a stab at the under, but definitely Italy. And you go back to Italy, Scott. I mean, they have not lost a match. Uh, I think it's going back to, well, I mean, you know, what tw before 2019. And it's a great story with Italy as well, too, because this is a team that didn't make the World Cup. And then yep. to be as focused as, as they are in the way they're playing. And again, it's just, again, when you haven't lost a match in basically three years, it's phenomenal. 
Yeah, I think it was September of 2018, if I recall correctly. Yeah, the last time it. that they lost a match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, a majority of those have been wins, I and mean, we had some draws in there as well too. But uh, no, this this side has has been fantastic, and I, and I agree with you. I think it is definitely hey, listen, their cup. This is revenge against the world for them after they, you know, had the bad qualifying situation for the World Cup last time. So they're kind of in revenge, you know, for all of that kind of stuff. And, and uh, they're just playing, I just think, a, a little bit better than England in, in multiple ways. The one thing about England is they will attack, and once in a while they're going to give up a little bit of a problem on the back end. And, you know, to use a, a hockey term, they'll give up an odd man rush on the back end. And I've seen that a couple of times out of England as we've gotten later in this tournament. Teams haven't taken an advantage of it, but Italy will. They've got the talent to get it done. And, again, I could very much see this being a 1-0 type of game. All right. Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. Follow him on Twitter as, as well, at Scott Wins. Uh, Scott, tell everybody how they can uh, get your picks over at Doc Sports. Yeah, over at DocSports.com. You can check it out also uh, on Twitter at Scott Wins. And I usually post a video up there. Uh, overnight, five or six in the morning, it's up by then on Twitter, and got a free play there on there almost every day of the week. Yeah, because uh, obviously, I mean, Scott is probably one of the only ones in in our crew that's up at five o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's it. I mean, we're we're all sound asleep, but no, Scott's it's out about by bedtime. the yeah. What, what, <laughs> what Scott's doing? He's out there, you know, by the pool. He's got the classic rock going. He's just cutting videos and and, and with a cold brew in his hand by the pool. When it's uh, you know, let's see, what five in the morning? That'd be what maybe one hundred one, one hundred one degrees. About that, about 100 degrees. Pool's yeah. nice. Pool's about, you know, 82 at that time of day. I've thought about calling you a few times to, you know, my midnight snack, so to speak, oh, and your breakfast at yeah. about 4 a.m., you know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now, now you're talking. No doubt about it. All right, my man. Great stuff, and uh, we'll look forward to talking with you real soon. Take care, TC. There it is. There it is. Scott Spritzer, uh, great handicapper. Again, breaking it down. Uh, not just using the numbers, but again, you know, like me, I, I love looking at that emotional side of things as well, too. Very, very important, you know. Again, knowing the players, not just numbers, not being a cruncher just like that. All right. Uh, want to thank everyone for joining us today. Shout out to Tracy Murray. Congratulations. UCLA Hall of Fame, of course, a former NBA champion. We talked Bucks and Suns tonight. What happens? Game number two. I know a lot of people like the Suns, but I think the Bucks might show up tonight. Yeah, at least cover that number and possibly even win this game. And I uh, would love to see a six or a seven-game series here. All right, also want to thank Scott Spritzer for joining us, talking NBA. Stephen Klubeck, the new chairman of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, talking about the potential postponement of Fury Wilder 3. We'll continue to follow that story as well, too. And, uh, again, go to the website. We've got an article up there that I put up there earlier today at tcmartinshow.com. All the interviews are up there. Go check out our interview with George Shea, Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. That's great. It's all there for you. And uh, hopefully Frank will be back tomorrow. We'll be live at Sunset Station. TC Martin saying so long. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.